Welcome back to Thinking Critically. Again, I'm your host, Jonathan Maloney. Today, we're going to be talking about what exactly is critical thinking. Let's get started. So the definition of critical thinking is actually rather fluid, and it really depends on the source that you're going to be looking at. However, I went through the internet before I even decided to start intelligence speculation because I was curious, obviously, of what exactly critical thinking was myself. And there's a number of common themes that come up. Okay, so number one, objective and rational analysis of facts. Number two, you want to have clear, open-minded thinking that's informed by evidence. And then the third would be you want to engage in reflective, which includes self-reflection and objective thinking. So as you can see, a common theme among all three of these definitions is that you must follow a proper system of thought and remain objective. Okay, so now that we know exactly what the world thinks about critical thinking, we're going to talk about my own philosophy that I crafted over the years after pulling from all of these different sources and deciding on what it means, in my opinion, to be a critical thinker. So my philosophy of critical thinking is encapsulated in what I like to call the laws of critical thinking. So let's go ahead and dig a little bit deeper into what exactly those are. The laws of critical thinking. A critical thinker must be able to do the following. So law number one is going to be you must know how to structure a good argument. So when it comes to arguments, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but people don't know exactly what arguments are from a philosophical sense, so it's important to know what that is. And then once you know what a philosophical argument is, it's important to understand how you structure a good argument and what exactly means for an argument to be good. The second law of critical thinking, you must grok informal logic. So grok is a word that's borrowed from science fiction, which means to have a deep and intuitive understanding. So it's really, really important for you to understand exactly what logic is. And I say informal logic because within philosophy, there's two different types. There's symbolic logic, which is called formal logic. And then there's non-symbolic logic, which is called informal logic. So most of what we're dealing with on an everyday basis is going to be in the informal logic realm, because, you know, when you're talking to somebody and having a casual conversation, you're not going to sit down and write out some truth tables and things of that nature on a, on a napkin, a bar napkin or something like that. So with informal logic, you're going to have argument types. Uh, so inductive versus deductive. We're talking about how logical fallacies come into play with all of this. Uh, logical fallacies, they're abundant and ubiquitous and people don't really recognize them and how all of this fits into uh, good and bad arguments. So the third law of critical thinking is that you need to understand heuristics and how all of this plays into the potential pitfalls in cognition, which are known as cognitive biases. Heuristics is a subset of psychology, and this deals with what essentially are mental shortcuts. So with these mental shortcuts, over the eons, our brains evolved in order to help survivability. So you know, how best to survive in the wild, uh, in a dangerous environment. And these heuristics or mental shortcuts were there in order to increase our chances for survival. However, these can get in the way when we're trying to make very important decisions and everyday life. 
So let me give you an example real fast. Confirmation bias. You may have already heard of it. It's a tendency for somebody to seek out information that agrees with their pre-existing worldview. So if you're trying to remain objective and you're being burdened by this confirmation bias, how, how exactly are you best going to do that? I mean, your preference is to go and look for material that already agrees with your pre-existing worldview. But once you know that, then you can liberate yourself and say, okay, I need to watch out for confirmation bias. Therefore, I have a proclivity or a tendency to look at information over here, but I'm going to deliberately seek out information over here so that way I can make the best decision possible. So that's just one example. So next up, we have the fourth law of critical thinking, and this law is to be intellectually humble. So what exactly does that mean? It means that you need to constantly subject your own belief system to a barrage of information and update accordingly, because nobody's ever going to be right all of the time. It is impossible. Nobody's ever done it in history. Nobody ever will do it in history because we're always learning. So it's important for you to just understand that you're going to be wrong. And it's okay to admit that you're wrong. But it's very, very important that once you are wrong, that you update it and align your worldview with the best evidence possible. So that's what intellectual humility means. Okay, on to the fifth law of critical thinking. Embrace holistic thinking. What exactly is holistic thinking? Basically means that you want to look at the bigger picture. You don't want to take a myopic or a narrow view at something. You want to expand your horizons and try to look at as many angles at the particular situation as possible. So let me give you a quick example here. So here in America, politics is kind of a big deal. And we have two primary parties. We have the Democrats and we have the Republicans. Now, people generally align uh, at some point in their life with one party or the other, and it doesn't usually change. However, I'll give you a quick example here of what holistic thinking means in this situation. So if you're a, if you identify as a Democrat and there's a particular topic that comes up and you find that it is favorable, for the Democrats, what you want to do, if you think holistically, is then you want to look at the opposite side of it. You want to go over and say, okay, you know, if I was a Republican looking at this particular bill, whatever proposition from the Democrats, how exactly would I view it? What are the pros and cons from both sides of the aisle? Likewise, if you're a Republican, you're going to look at the Democrats side of you. At the end of the day, when you embrace holistic thinking, the goal is to take a larger view of what is going on in order uh, to gather as much information as possible because the more information that you're able to gather, the better decision that you're able to make will be. Okay, so now we're on to the sixth law of critical thinking. Know how to identify a credible source. So what does that mean? Now, what exactly is a credible source? So this is a little bit tricky because it's, uh, it's rather objective, right? How does one exactly go about identifying credibility? And I'll be honest with you, the answer is a bit nuanced. It can be difficult at times because sometimes the source is credible, other times it's not. And how do you know when it is credible? How do you know when it's not credible? How do you know when people who have letters after their names who generally say very good things all of a sudden kind of fall off the deep end and then they're giving really, really bad advice that you shouldn't listen to? It can be very difficult. So we will definitely dig deeper into credibility. But I can say right off the bat that experts in general are going to be credible sources. Why? Because I spent a very, very long time studying whatever it is 
that they are an expert in, and they generally will give you very good advice. Again, this is something that we'll get into more detail as time goes on. So on to the seventh law of critical thinking. Be a skeptic and demand evidence. So to be a skeptic means that you don't automatically believe or dismiss absolutely everything that you're told. You look at it with a skeptical eye. And the skeptical eye means that I will conditionally accept and or reject what it is you're saying based off of you providing me evidence or me looking further into this and finding that it's corroborated by other credible sources. So that's that's what it means to be a skeptic. And then the demand evidence part is kind of self-explanatory is you want to look for good evidence when somebody is presenting you with new information. Okay, so... You know, you're claiming that aliens live on the dark side of the moon. Okay, so you're claiming that NASA has some sort of secret base on the dark side of the moon. Well, you need to prove that to me. What evidence do you have that says, look, I have the photographs or I don't of NASA having some sort of base on the dark side of the moon? Uh, obviously, this is a bit of a ridiculous example, but I think you get the general idea of what it means to be a skeptic and demand evidence. I mean, another quick example too is because you don't want to automatically dismiss information. I think it's really, really important that I get that across to you. Uh, while you don't want to believe everything that you're told automatically, at the same time, you don't want to dismiss it. Uh, unless, of course, it's rather ridiculous. So like flat earth, I mean, we've known that the earth has been round for hundreds and hundreds of years uh, through scientific inquiry. We have plenty of evidence that supports this. Uh, all of the large scientific organizations, NASA, etc., say that the earth is round. So therefore, if somebody tries to convince you that the earth is flat, you could just automatically dismiss it. However, let's say it's something more complicated like with health uh, and like red meat consumption or cholesterol, things of that nature. You definitely want to look at the evidence available, go and talk to experts in the field to see what they think uh, before you automatically dismiss it. So remember, be a skeptic and demand evidence. Okay, the last law of critical thinking, law number eight, understand how and why science works. To date, this is the best tool that humans have ever created to learn truths about our world. And I cannot stress that enough. It is arguably the single most valuable like, tool, skill set, whatever you want to call it, thing that humans have ever created. The entire modern world is built on scientific endeavor. And it's really, at the end of the day, it's just a method. It's a process. It's a system of, it's a system of thought. It's a way you organize uh, a, a rigorous process in order to arrive at something closest to objective truth about how our world works. So it's really, really important that you understand this. And while I'm not saying that you're going to become a scientist because that takes years and years of de dedicated study in order to do that. However, I can teach you how to think more like a scientist, how to go out into the world and say, okay, I'm presented with this information. How would a scientist approach it? How would, uh, you know, with that skeptical eye demanding evidence? Anyway, the scientific process or method, it's really, really important that you understand it. Okay, so now that you understand what the laws of critical thinking are, I, there's a few things that I wanna stress here about what critical thinking isn't. Critical thinking is 
not just for you to go out and try to be argumentative with others and attempt to manipulate them and things of that nature. It shouldn't be used for that purpose. You are going to want to, as a critical thinker, you know, defend your positions, know how to do that. But it's really, really important that you just go, don't go out there and start arguments for argumentative sake, or you try to take advantage of people um, once you have this information, it would be very similar to, let's say, if you went and got training in MMA, you know how the instructors are like, you're not to use this to go out and start fights with people just to beat them up. So this is a, it's a very similar, similar analogy. So it's very important you understand that that's not what critical thinking is. Further, critical thinking isn't just knowledge accumulation. You can sit there and memorize facts all day, but if you don't know how to piece things together, you don't know how to actually problem solve, you're not really engaging what would be known as critical thinking. You need to activate your higher thinking skill set, uh, the higher mind, they say, the metacognition. And you need to be able to weave things together so that way the narrative that you make makes sense, number one. But number two, it's not just you regurgitating just facts or information that people may not even find useful. Critical thinking is a multi-domain skill. And what do I mean by that? I mean that it affects every area of your life for the better. You're gonna get positive spillover effects across the board once you learn this skill set. Uh, part of the reason why I started this is because people have so much access to information these days that they just don't know what to do with it. They can't, they can't siphon out the good from the bad. Critical thinking definitely will help you in that aspect. It'll help you when you're listening to politicians. I see it all the time because politicians' arguments that are structured are just so poor, but the average person doesn't have the skill set available, or the, I should say the skill set that they need in order to know that. They, they, they just can't sift through the nonsense. So to help you in that aspect, and I mean, it'll help you in relationships too. I mean, you think about... Think about when you get into arguments with a significant other or like a family or a friend. I mean, these things happen. It's just part of being a human, right? We don't always agree with one another. But imagine if you were able to both be rational humans who understand critical thinking and have that skill set at your disposal, and you can sit down and maybe like write the arguments out or just hash it out from a very logical standpoint and say, hey, let's put our emotions aside and try to reach the best, uh, the best conclusion possible in this scenario. Uh, I mean, like I said, it's a multi-domain skill and across all areas of life, it will benefit you for the better. I can promise you that. Okay, so that's all that we've got for today, folks. Thank you again for tuning into Thinking Critically. Uh, so now that you know what critical thinking is, next time we're gonna talk a little bit more about exactly how to structure an argument. So please remember to subscribe, folks, and remember that together we can help the world think better. Thinking Critically was brought to you by Grips Visual Marketing. They helped me to bring this podcast to life um, when it was just an idea. So that being said, if you're wanting to do a podcast and a need, don't exactly know where to get started, or perhaps you need some video services, make sure to check them out. You can find their information in the show notes.